Parenting is hard. Few of us feel up to the task. The world is shifting, quickly and dramatically. All of us feel the changes affecting our families. The stress and pressure can be intense. We are here to help sort the good and the bad, provide insight and bring hope. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. We're so glad you stopped by. Hi, and welcome to season five of Brilliantly Brave Parenting. I am your co-host, Pastor Brad Mathias. And I'm Robert Beeson. He's the other one. I am the other one. You know, uh, in season four, I, I sort of used that one title that I learned from the South Africans, What's Headmaster. That? Headmaster, that? yeah, that's true. I loved that title. I'm the Headmaster. I'm the Headmaster. An interesting side note here. It was pointed out, and if you guys go back, this is something you can really track. Apparently... Wait a second. Brad this is says cheap. no. This is that I'm true. sexy like about two or three times an episode. He uses that word. I don't think this is times. appropriate, Robert. And I'm I'm confused by it. A little uncomfortable, <clears throat> but it's true. It Not as uncomfortable out, as I am right now. The producer pointed out to Brad, you may want to stop using that word and because he just says it flippantly. And so just a little like what do they call them? Easter eggs? Yeah, go back into the other episodes and count how many times Brad says sexy. Okay, let's go on with the show. I'm mollified. <laughs> Do you know what that word means? Ask me a question. No, I'm I'm going to rebut that somehow. <clears throat> uh, look, I like you. You're my best friend. We've been hanging out for a decade doing this. I have certain rights with that. So I can't help it if they spill out onto a podcast. It's... You're an awesome guy. Well, thank you, Brad. Yeah. I, and I you're, you know. I don't know that that helps Sexy's you. pushing it. I'm going to have to edit. There's one this episode. I'm going to edit it. Oh, okay. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. So for the audience who've been paying attention, Robert and I, in season five, we've gone through a list of questions where we take turns each episode querying each other about specific things in our life. You can look that word up too. It's a big word. Robert, you need to pick a number between one and 25. 23. You already looked, didn't you? No, I didn't. Do you have any phobias? Yes, I do. Well, let's do hear I about it. <laughs> I am incredibly freaked out about tight spaces. I'm claustrophobic, like major, major, major. See, now I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. My biggest fear, I, if I can't even like look at a picture, uh, there was a there was a commercial that came on. I guess there was this guy that kind of woke up in a coffin, and he. Like lit, oh my God. lit a match, so you could just see how it, that is absolutely uh, like, well, like yeah. exactly my nightmare. It's just that being closed in, being trapped. Caves freak me out. I mean, not big caves, but like tight spaces, even tight clothes or tight shoes freak me out. Freak me out. How do you do with elevators? I don't know. I'm good with I'm good with elevators. That doesn't that doesn't trip me out. Tight shoes. That like anything a lot. confining. Yeah. Anything confining. Wow. Like those heels that you usually wear? I could never do that. Those are so oh, constrictive. Not today, man. You can't make fun like that anymore. That's not cool. Okay. Uh, I, look, I didn't know that about you. I didn't know. So yeah, that there's so many things in my mind right now that are just clicking together. Like, oh, that's, oh, yeah. So uh, it's only loose clothes for you. Only, yeah. I'm not, yeah. It's, I can't stand, like. My wife's kind of like that. Really? She doesn't even like elevators, and flying's a big deal to her. It was a big deal for me because you know how tight the seats are and stuff. <clears throat> yeah, and and that you're not in control, and it's just yeah. yeah. There's a whole bunch of stuff. A whole bunch in there. I used to not be. <clears throat> I used to be totally freaked out of flying. I'm not anymore. So I I don't know. 
I don't know what happened there, but well, you know, one of the interesting things about uh, relationships is that you can be close to someone, work side by side with them, even be in the same family, and you can go uh, long periods of time without knowing some of the issues that people are sort of carrying around inside. It's true. Um, today's guest is an old family friend. I can say old in the sense that he's older than me, uh, even though he doesn't look it. He doesn't look it. Um, and he's uh, he's been around uh, the central Illinois region where I grew up for decades. His mm. family's uh, well-known, respected farmers in the Illinois region. And he's, he's a dad. He's a grandfather. And mm. uh, he has a real heart for... Uh, teens in particular who are struggling with depression and self-harm, suicidal thoughts and things. So I want to welcome Daryl McCumber to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. Hi, good to see you all. Welcome. I'm so glad that you're Thank here you. because, you know, one of the things that we really want to do as a podcast is just talk to people that are are authentic and actually have have some life experience dealing with the things we're, we're not just looking to try to bring in the PhDs and the whatever, because sometimes that can get so lofty, honestly, that it's, it's just like, uh, we want to make sure that our listeners know that there are, there are other people out there, not just experts in fields, but people that have struggled with things. And as a result of that, have had, God has put a passion in their lives. And so from what I understand, from what Brad has told me, that is you to a T. And so we thank you that you're willing to be here and, and be transparent about the topic that we're discussing today. You're welcome. I'm excited to be here and try to help. Thanks. So Daryl, you know, yes. it was, uh, I think I was visiting uh, our mutual friends, the Kearns family, uh, Todd and Christine and um, the Kearns. Yeah. The I mean, the Matthias Vaughn Kearns clan, <laughs> shout out. We go back, you know, our moms were best friends. So uh, I thought, I thought Barb Kearns was my aunt until I was in high school. Like for real, she and, and Mimi looked identical. Like they they really Her looked sisters. like sisters. And uh, so we grew up as family, the McCumbers, the Kearns family, the Matthiases. It was sort of a you know a cabal. Anyway, uh, I was there and talking with Daryl, and he he just sort of reached out to me and said, you know, my heart is heavy for today's youth. And he shared with me some things he had gone through in his youth. And he was asking me as a pastor, like, how do I reach out? What can I do in my community to make a difference? And so uh, we've been dialoguing for several months, and it involved – some of it was the music business, Hmm. uh, writing lyrics and things and trying to come up with some ways to reach kids. And so it came to the point where I was like, you know, Daryl, you just need to come on a podcast and sort of share your heart a little bit, not only because I think it would help you form – a clearer picture of what God's calling you to do, but also it would inspire other parents who may not feel qualified uh, or uh, mm. as an expert that they could actually do something in their own community, in their own uh, region, mm. and not wait for some mysterious day when you're ready, quote unquote. So true. So Daryl, I'm asking, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. Are you comfortable sharing with with our audience just a little bit of what you shared with me? I am. I Anything I can do to help try to save any any person, anybody that's struggling. Um, youth is a passion. I've always loved kids and enjoyed kids, and if I can do anything to help them. Um, going back to my childhood and seeing where I struggled pretty severely, and, and actually that's what brought me to God, was um, when I was 15, I was dating someone, and of course it was the first love of my life. 
And you know how that is. It hits you pretty hard. <laughs> and um, on our to the day anniversary, she told me she was going to go to the ice capades with someone else. And it devastated me. And it put me into a tailspin. And since that was the girl I was going to marry, you know, knowing that at 15 and all. Yeah. And uh, have children with and how beautiful those children are going to be. Um, I It really made me think things through. And I got very low. And I did actually contemplate committing suicide. <laughs> and I was so low. And I'm thinking, you know, who will never leave me? My parents are going to get old someday and they'll be gone. I had wonderful parents. Um, had no home issues whatsoever. I, I couldn't have had a better home life. But really, it came down, all the humans can leave you at some point in time for whatever reason. But yet, God will always be there with you. And that's when I had the realization, I'm kind of a, a big picture person, and I always start from the outside and work my way in. And I thought, okay, what are my priorities in life? And it, it better be... God and my religion, and then my family, and then my country, and just kind of go from there, basically. So that's that's how God came into my life. And from that point on, I've never questioned his presence. I always can give him issues that I'm dealing with. And when I turn them over to him, it just kind of sets me free. So do you want me to go on? Yeah, keep going. <laughs> yeah. Okay, tell tell us what happened. How did you get through that? Okay. Well, what happened? We had a neighbor that I played ball with when we were kids. We were in Little League together. And I don't know, about six months, well, it would have been springtime. He, right across the road from us, hung himself out in his dad's woods. Oh, my and gosh. I didn't think he had any kind of issues at all. I've known him all my life. He had two kids. His son was going to graduate from the University of Illinois that coming weekend. And he he did that, and it just struck me, not thinking he ever had any issues. He he didn't have a troubled past that I was ever aware of, and you know, knowing that I had been there, it made me think there probably are a lot of these going on. There have been several celebrities and a lot in the news, and it just made me think we're in a troubled time, and if I could do anything at all to help with that, to let people know that there is sunshine on the other side of that darkness, um, that. Uh, Right. And I wanted to do that. So not having any musical ability whatsoever, my wife is very gifted, but I'm not. I reached out to a friend that is a composer to see if she would help me write a song. I had some idea for some lyrics, and it turns out she was getting engaged just about the time we were doing this, and she's more of a classical composer than a more pop or modern composer. So she kind of turned me down. And that's when I turned to you to see if you would have someone down in Nashville that might be able to collaborate on a song with me so that we could um, maybe touch some lives. But getting in touch with you and, and perhaps doing this might be even better yet. I mean, this is something I can talk, as you'll see, but I can't say. Um, so the other thing was I had two directions that I wanted to go with this song because, first of all, I did have an uncle who was very gifted that uh, the year that I was born committed suicide and he had two wives and two sons and uh, a son by each wife and watching those boys struggle throughout their lifetime. They're mm -hmm. now one is my age and one is, is several years older than me. What all they've gone through and thinking the torment and what they had to live with 
without their dad there and a male example. Um, one of them, the mother did get remarried, but he basically changed his name and left the family, I think because of, of his dad's issues. But um, the other one has, has kind of clung on and tried to have every little bit of McCumber that he possibly could from whoever he could get it from. And it, it, it's just kind of sad knowing the kind of parent I had um, to think that his dad left him without any of that. Then on the other hand, and then I'll show you for a second, You're on good. the other hand, I realize the fact that I didn't go ahead and, and do the really selfish thing at that time. Um, I look at the family I've got now. Sorry. It's okay. You may have to edit this one. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay, uh, man. I've got two wonderful children and four grandchildren. That, I mean, they make every day so incredible. And to think that none of them would have been here had I done that. My wife wasn't going to get married. She was going to go to California and have an acting or recording career. She didn't want kids. And, and yet we've put you know, these humans on the earth. <clears throat> to to do whatever good that they possibly can. I'm sorry. My little four-year-old, for instance, has already invented a safety device that I think might save some lives. <laughs> She's four years old, and I, I'm trying to, to uh, do a patent pending project for her to see if we can't get it on the market. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so Daryl, as, as you're sharing a little bit of your story, it's, it's still very raw for you. Um, it's still very real. And, you know, I think probably one of the greatest, uh, threats to, uh, parents today is the busyness of life where we get into a status quo, sort of a rhythm of life where you take the kids to school and you go to church and you, you know, you take them to the little league or you take them to basketball or soccer or whatever you got. And you have this sort of, uh, rhythm of life that that keeps you from noticing hmm. when something's amiss and especially with because you're so busy you're yeah so you're so busy and you're not you just don't have the time to really notice and um i think um and i think the other thing if i could jump in on that is i just i um was talking to somebody actually on another podcast and they were talking he's a major youth leader here in tennessee and he was talking about the statistics in America right now that the youth are safer than pretty much any other generation as far as like um, STDs, uh, you know, car accidents, drunk driving, all those stats are down. But the mental health um, problems that they're facing has skyrocketed. And a lot of people are attributing that to um, they're not getting in as much trouble going out because they're staying in and staying in front of screens. Um, and the, the thing that we know about staying in front of screens is that, you know, it, it del there's all kinds of things wrong with it developmentally, but you can tend to isolate and, um, and even more than like going out and hanging out with other people, you're confined to this space where you're measuring yourself constantly on social media by other people's highlight reels. And, and it can make the immediate, which is what you felt with your girlfriend. And I'm sure you know, what many of these people face seem astronomically huge when the big picture 
is so much broader than that. But because a lot of our kids are spending so much time in front of a screen, they're not able to see that. They're just seeing like the present condition as being colossal. And so I think it's <clears throat> it's really important that that people like yourself tell your story. And especially, I love the fact that you got choked up talking about what is on the other side of that, not just in a hopeful way, but I mean, just for other people thinking, you know, I want that, but also just like, there is a bigger picture to this. It's not just, you know, the girl that you were supposed to get married to and have kids with and whatever, but there's like, you know, a device that maybe save a bunch of people's lives down the road or whatever. I mean, there's just so much more to the picture than what we see right in front of us. And I think that's a significant message to our, to the youth and for parents to pay attention to with their kids is painting the whole picture and making sure that, you know, that we take our eyes off just the immediate because the immediate, as we all know, passes, right? Excellent point. It, and we don't know. I mean, we can't foresee what the future has in front of us um there's no way i could have ever pictured <laughs> what the, you know what i am living right now the, right. the farming yes the being married yes i knew that having kids but the depth of what that would be and you know when you say locked inside and looking at the screen that's such a perverse view of the world you know people i hate to say fake because of the popularity of the word right now, but it really is. I mean, people are only putting forth what they want you to see on that. And it's not the real world. And of course, you know, nobody can measure up to the acting and the glimmer and all that kind of stuff. It, um, it just, it makes it very tough and, and very unrealistic. And I think the other thing is that's dangerous is that we, we start trying to live just reflecting our highlight reel instead of tackling real issues that we're facing. You know, um, my daughter, She's 16 now. And for the last three years, almost every single year, she has known someone that's taken their own life. Oh, um, and so it is incredibly prevalent in high school. And, oh. and a lot of these people, you know, um, she knew and, and could say, I had no idea that they were struggling that much, you know? And so it's not just like that you're your view of life is so much smaller than the big picture, but it's also, they don't feel like there's a place where they can be authentic and like, let these things out because they are trying to keep up with the highlight reels of everybody else, you know? And so, um, I think the message, the message that you're talking about, I think is so important for kids, for all of us, but especially the youth of today that, you know, that really needs to know that there's hope and that, and that the only way to kind of get there is to process through life. Like, in, in, in a way that's that's safe and 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 recognizing that we all get to those crossroads where we feel like I don't want to go on, you know. Yeah, I was actually doing a little research for the for this episode, and I was surprised to find that suicide is the third leading cause of death for people yeah. ages fifteen to twenty four. Yeah, right now it's right. the third leading cause of death, and it's directly linked to depression for a parent who's navigating adolescence with their kids, you're going to see some really sort of, uh, out of balance behavior anyway, right? You're, you're going to see adolescent behavior that that's a little extreme, you right. know? So it's very difficult. You know, can I tell just looking at my, my kids, if what they're walking through right now is a depression, that's, that's the risk of a suicide, or is this just, hormones or is this just especially in teenage identity yeah. development i mean what am i dealing with here 
Right. And so what I had hoped today in our podcast was to sort of raise this back up as an issue for parents to have front and center that this is the third leading cause of death. Among youth. Among youth. Yeah. And, and it, it's, <clears throat> not, it's not as uh, random and distant as it might seem is the point, mm. that there are real people with normal lives that seem to be okay who are not. It's not just people in poverty. In fact, exactly. I think I, I'm going to, I'm not going to quote the specifics, but I remember hearing recently, because we've done some studies about suicide. I do a single parent ministry and 63% of all suicides in America today, according to the U.S. Census, come from single parent homes. So we dug in a little bit deeper mm -hmm. and a lot of those suicides that happen with the youth don't happen in poverty. They happen in middle, like the middle income families where seemingly, you know, there's a college fund set up. There's like all these, these promises of, of a future, yet these kids feel so bleak and hope. So it's not just the, the lower end of the scale. It's sometimes a lot of these yeah. people that live by the, well, the screens that they're on. One of the things about Daryl's story <clears throat> that I, I think is really significant is that his, his family life was fine. Right. Right. You know, this isn't, the parent dropped the ball or they weren't being good parents and the marriage wasn't strong. This was an outside circumstance that affected him. That was not controllable by the parents. This, mm -hmm. These things can hit your kids. In fact, there was a, a study done by Kansas state university and I, I want to make sure I quote it correctly, but Dr. Uh, Tony Jurek, and he writes this, he says, teens think they're invincible. So when they feel psychological pain, they are more apt to be overwhelmed by hopelessness and the belief that they have no control over their lives. Jerk calls these feelings of hopelessness and helplessness the Molotov cocktail mm. that triggers teen suicide. So, he, you know, scientifically, there's a description here where these outside influences, there's a, there's a hit that, that affects the young mind. They can't cope with it. It's a momentary threat, and someone has to be there when that hits. Mm. And uh, other uh, suicide survivors have written and, and described the fact that it was a parent or a friend who noticed that kept them from hurting themselves. And so this isn't necessarily like a cloud that descends over someone and just lands and, and stays there. These are like daggers that hit. Yeah. And you've got to be vigilant as a parent. So uh, I really felt as a parent, like I think you and I, Robert, have brushed up against this a couple of times with Absolutely. our kids. Um, where, you know, we've called each other at two in the morning, like, what do I do? This, you know, I just heard this. I think all parents at some point are either going to have it in their home or they're going to know someone very close who's struggling with this. So I wanted to bring this up and I wanted Daryl to have a, a voice in this because what he's doing is trying to respond in a way that he's passionate about. So Daryl, have you thought, like, how can you make a difference in your immediate environment? I guess to make people aware, you know, I mean, it's something, and that's kind of where I come from. Like I say, being the big picture person, I have to truly believe it, truly feel it before I can talk about it. I'm not good in front of people. I'm not good in crowds and that kind of thing. Um, people that know me don't realize I'm shy, but I am kind of shy until you get to know me the way you do. Um, but when something is that passionate and touches me and I, I see someone else going through that kind of pain, then I can reach out to that and help if need be. Um, you know, when you're talking about my family, my grandparents were very much involved. They used to come out to my house every weekend and play cards. 
I used to go hunting with my grandfather from the time I was five. Um, we, we've continued that now. And I'm, as you can tell, I'm pretty attached to my grandkids. So the family was never an issue. Um, but I do think the fact that I hadn't found God yet when that, when that dagger came at me, I think that was part of why it hit me so hard, but yet it for a lifetime then gave me that. Yeah. You know, I've, I was looking into some of the research journals out there and we're going to post these on the brilliantly brave website for parents who may be uh, finding themselves right in the middle of this. Um, but one of the things that that's been raised is this idea that teens have unrealistic expectations that's fed by media. Mm-hmm. You know, they're watching things on TV where everybody just seems to have, have the it right together. clothes yeah. and, you know, their homes are really cool and they, you know, they've got, you know, they've got their life together, so to speak, and they compare themselves to what they're seeing and they start to, they start to lose hope. They start to think that maybe, maybe there's a problem. And so the research suggestion was for parents to, to do a, a better job at helping teens understand that life isn't always going to feel good. Right. That there's not going to be um, uh, a, an unlimited amount of joy for the rest of your life, that there are going to be difficulties, there are going to be struggles, there are going to be dark moments in life, and that's not that's not a time to give up. Hmm. That's a time to push through. I have to think back, Robert, like when – when I was raising my three, I was always afraid to let them see me weak. Well, not even just weak, but down. Hmm. Like I always felt like I had to be up. Yeah. Have you ever? Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, for sure. Because you just, you don't, and it's not weak in the sense, I mean, they knew that I struggled, but I, I didn't want to be the guy that like, I wasn't the guy that said, I'm just having a bad day, like, or I'm just like feeling hopeless or I feel like, you know, I mean, and I don't know that we burden our kids with the psychological problems that we're carrying, but I think what you're, what you're talking about is normalizing difficult seasons in our life and normalizing that, that we all feel this way. Because one of the things that's a struggle, especially for teenagers, is if you look at the warning signs of potential suicide, risk at risk suicide, a lot of the, the warning signs are also just basic teenage. Yeah. It's hard so to it's know. It's really hard yeah. to know. Like, you know, I don't want to hang out with these friends anymore. Loss of appetite and like fa- failing grades. And so <clears throat> I think what you're touching on, and I think it's really important is normalizing, having difficult conversations and normalizing the fact that we all struggle. Um, and, and not just that we feel weak, but just that, gosh, I, I'm really, I'm really down. And I just feel kind of having those difficult conversations where it kind of sets the tone for like, I'm not alone if our kids feel the kids don't feel like they're alone if they're struggling or if they get to a place where they just feel hopeless. Yeah. So Daryl, one of the things that you and I talked about on the phone a few months ago was this idea of you going to church intentionally making yourself available to the youth pastor or the youth leader in your church and saying, Hey, I'm a parent and I'm even a grandparent, but I'm here. If you need someone to go on a youth retreat or you need someone to come in on Wednesday nights to hang out with the kids as chaperone, I, I have a passion for the kid who feels left out or the one that maybe you don't have time as a pastor to chase down all the time. I want to take them to coffee. I want to hang out with them and go, you know, surrogate if there's a single parent uh, family in your church. I just, I see the, when the Holy Spirit raises a passion in someone, Right. When you see someone on fire for an issue, 
I think it's really important for pastors and for the parents to step up and go into that because God's equipping them for something. Yeah, that's exactly right. This isn't random. You know, this is this is very intentional by God. So my thought was, Daryl, that in your church or in your area, there's probably some very at-risk students that you're going to notice that other people may totally miss because you've been through it. Possibly. I don't have, I, I used to have good access to the kids because my wife taught choir at, at the high school for 12 years, I think. And I was active in helping her with bus trips and things like that. But I, I'm not around now at this point in time. I do go to church and, and we have a small you know group of kids there. Um, I just don't get exposed to that that much, honestly. Um, I would be willing to help if someone reached out to me, but I'm not where I can necessarily read that and intercede. It's incredible though. You know, I, I, I get what you're saying. It's when we make ourselves available, it's, you watch the, the, yeah, the opportunity. Exactly. Like when we make ourselves available, yeah. the doors that start opening are just, are pretty surprising. I never thought that I'd be doing what I do now. I never yeah. in a million years thought that I would be in full-time ministry and a licensed minister. Like I, but when you make yourself available, the Holy Spirit takes, takes charge and has other plans and yeah. surprises us. Well, I'm be anxious to see what happens. <laughs> I'm open. I'm open. So we'll see. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about the parent right now who might be listening, who's saying, you know, <clears throat> as I'm, I'm listening to Daryl and his story. And as I'm listening to, um, these signs and symptoms of depression and the risks of suicide in the youth, I may have that at home. How do I know? Hmm. How, how can I respond to that person with compassion and also not let this become a, you know, uh, a crisis. There's a ministry online called remedylive.com. Um, and we know this ministry very well, yeah. uh, part of the tween gospel Alliance and Clinton fall Powell and his wife. And there's a team of, of licensed therapists on staff and they interact with youth with text messaging and social media called soul medics, soul medics. And, you can reach out to them. Uh, you can go to your pastor immediately, call your pastor and say, look, I'm, I'm troubled by something and I would like to talk with you and maybe maybe sit down with you and the student and the pastor. The, the idea here is not to wait. Right. There's too much at risk here. And uh, I want to speak that to someone who's listening right now who may be you know, aware there's a problem in, in the, either their family or someone they know. And because this is one of those things that you don't really get a second shot at, mm-hmm. and uh, there's too much at stake in the the spiritual formation of families. And as Daryl was just uh, talking about, there's so much life ahead. Yeah. And uh, so this, I get concerned about this when I I look back now at 49, and I think how casually I responded to yeah. some of the things in my life, and also how how much pressure we put on our kids sometimes to perform. Um, that just that we don't let ourselves down and to just be real with them. You know, I, I know that especially in ministry, you're expecting your kids to, to behave a certain way or to, you know, and I, I would just say to those parents out there, just pay attention to, to what's going on in your kids' lives and, and, and ease up on some of the pressure sometimes. I'm not talking about things that are outlandish, but just make sure you're spending enough time connecting and providing a safe place to have hard conversations. Well, I think we lost Daryl. Um, are you sure. there, Daryl? Oh, well, I'm, it says I'm paused, but I didn't think I was, I didn't do anything to cause that. There we go. 
Yeah, we just lost you for a second. I think the, okay. sometimes the uh, yeah my my screen's telling me we have a poor connection. I think we just oh, got audio okay. is what's happening. So what we have is audio, and that's fine. Um, oh, okay. Well, that's probably just as well anyway. <laughs> um, you know, you made me think of something, and and I don't know how to get to this point. I I don't know if it's the outlook, but you know, to me, a lot of times you don't have to even as dark and depressed as life might seem sometimes if you can just raise your head up and look you don't have to look very far to see somebody else that's worse off than you that's so true and if you can put that in perspective and just think you know at least i've got count the good things you do have you know what do i have maybe i've got good health or i do have a mother that loves me you know maybe she doesn't show it exactly the way i want her to but i do know she'd be there if i cared or, or if i needed her um just if you can take the positive approach and just get on the upside of that, then it starts to come more natural. It's incredible uh, what gratefulness does. Yes. Yeah. Well, I just want to thank you, Daryl, for being transparent and vulnerable. Yes, uh, thank you. I know it takes courage and, uh, you know, you've encouraged someone. And I guarantee you that from our audience that there are parents out there who can completely identify with your story. And uh, I can't wait to hear how God uses you in the lives of some of these <laughs> these students. I can't either. That'll be wonderful. I just, you know, if, if just uh, to realize the beauty that exists that wouldn't have been here had I done something that selfish. It, mm. I, it's the thing that I'm trying to stress. And if if parents can get that through to anybody, or if a, if a child could see. You know, if they would believe me, yes, it was that bleak for him. He was devastated, and yet he's got, you know, I I, I, I call it a wonderful life. I'm not boasting, but I, I just don't know how it could be any better than to have uh, the the things I do and to see the beautiful sunsets every night. So mm. anyway, sorry to get long-winded and sorry to get emotional, but I, I do hope this helps someone. I believe it will. Absolutely. Thank you so much for spending time with us and sharing. You're welcome. Nice to meet you. And you too. Good talking to you, Brad. Thank you. Thanks, Daryl. God bless you. And, God bless uh, you. I'll be in touch. Your work. All right. Oh, okay. Thank you. Bye. So just keep wrapping. Yeah. So you know, as I was listening to that, I wanted to make sure that our audience knows. Um, you know, if you notice any threat of a suicide at all, that's got to <clears> be taken seriously. That's a nine nine one one call. <clears> like that's just. You don't want to play around with this. If it's another situation where you've noticed someone struggling potentially with depression to the point where they would self-harm, you know, there's all kinds of hotlines out there. I'm going to give you a couple numbers right now. National Hopeline Network for Suicide Prevention is 1-800-SUICIDE. That's spelled S-U-I-C-I-D-E or 1-800-784-2433. And uh, just as an encouraging note... Uh, statistics show that 80% of teenagers who get help recover quickly. This, this is not uh, a hopeless scenario. This <clears throat> generally is a short-term threat. Yeah, you're not stuck there forever. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, the whole, you know, there's lots of discussion about it takes a village, you know, to, I think there's real truth in that. I agree Right, with that. you know, this... Parents are so locked in to survival sometimes that it takes the friend of a family or a, a close cousin or uncle or aunt or someone that notices the the little sign, the one little thing that could could make a huge difference. Yeah. So what do you think? 
I mean, what what's your takeaway? I couldn't agree with more with what you're saying. I just think we as parents need to need to pay attention to these cues and these things that are going on in our kids' lives, and we need to be as deliberate as we can about providing this safe environment for kids to share. And I'm not saying like get into a counseling session every dinner time, but um, have those one-on-one conversations and don't press the issue like are you feeling suicidal or whatever, but just go, you know what, I don't know if there's something going on, but it seems like you're kind of in a, in a down mood and just want to let you know that, you know, you don't have to do this alone, um, can go a long way in just opening up the door and then just sticking with it with your kids. Cause, um, we live in a very transactional and fast paced world where if you don't stop and pay attention to some of these things, we can lose people. And unfortunately that's happening too much. And so let's, uh, let's, uh, wake up all of us and start paying attention to these things. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the last stats I'll throw out there is that, uh, Young women are twice as likely to suffer from depression and self-harm than young mm-hmm. young men. So uh, let that be helpful to whoever needs to hear that. But at the end of the day, there is a, a supernatural assistant, if you will, to every parent known as the Holy Spirit. Exactly so right. this idea of taking time daily to pray for your kids, to invest in their spiritual formation— I've got to believe the Holy Spirit is going to at least raise the alarm at some point if you're paying attention. So if you've uh, found yourself too busy to do that, I would encourage you for lots of reasons to invest in your kids by praying for them every day. Absolutely. And it's hard to do because there's a lot going on. So um, let's let's recommit ourselves to do that. And I'm speaking to myself right now as, as much as I am to anyone else. Well, uh, if you've been listening to the Brilliantly Brave Parenting podcast, uh, you know we're a nonprofit organization, part of the Twin Gospel Alliance, and we rely on the gifts and support of friends and family like you. So if you want to stop by the BrilliantlyBraveParenting.com website, that's a mouthful, but it's easy to find. Uh, We're on social media, Facebook and Instagram, and we uh, appreciate the smallest or largest donations that every are little there. bit counts every little bit will help us stay on the air and make a difference to the lives of family thanks for joining us and we'll see you again next week be encouraged parents you are not alone in paul's letter to his son in the faith timothy he writes but i am not ashamed for i know whom i have believed And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Brilliantly Brave Parenting wants to be an encouragement and support that parents can rely on. Would you consider liking us and sharing us with a friend? As a part of the Tween Gospel Alliance, we are a nonprofit organization dependent on the support of friends like you. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be right here next week. Well, we're very excited to announce a partnership with the guys that we know from Boise, Idaho, Robert. Yes, we are. New release today. They're fantastic. Very, very relevant for what's going on. If you want to discover new music in the Christian realm, that's kind of the only place to go. Yeah, and not only do they have amazing music and amazing reviews and just a lot of information about Christian artists, but they are creating with us a brand new devotional product 
call it IRL Resources. Do you know what that stands for, Brad? I found out. You did? What does it stand for? It stands for In Real Life. That's exactly right, Brad. Very good. In Real Life, because a lot of times we have these standard devotionals that you know that, that we see, and, and we thought that it would be kind of cool to use their expertise in Christian music, couple that with actual scriptural and devotional thought that digs you deeper, not only into the song, but incorporates it into real life. And so it's a very vibrant and very awesome resource for families and for pastors. Yeah. And so if you uh, have a preteen or a teen in your home and you're looking for a new devotional to do weekly, we have a digital subscription online at IRLresources.com. It's very inexpensive. The first study is free to check it out. There's nothing to lose. You should go there and see what's the latest thing in Christian devotional. Absolutely. You won't regret it. What our kids believe is going to define them for a lifetime. According to George Barna, by the age of 13, what a kid believes is what he'll die believing. For parents and for pastors, that's a frightening experience, especially if you've got an 11 or 12 year old. At the iShine Ministries headquarters, this became a huge priority in the last year. We partnered with the Tween Gospel Alliance to bring you a brand new resource known as the Shock and Awe Study Guide. And I'm here with one of the co-founders of this entire program, Robert Beeson. Can you tell us what is the Shock and Awe Study Guide? It is awesome. More than that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> The Shock and Awe Study Guide is a super cool thing that either a parent can do with their kid or a youth pastor can do with their students or a children's pastor can do with their students. And here's the cool thing about it. It is apologetics for kids. So it's the really huge evidence and thoughts of apologetics wrapped in a way that is really tangible and simple for kids to understand, answering four primary questions. And they are, what if there's a God? What if the Bible is true? What if Jesus is who he said he was? And what if I'm part of that plan? And we believe if you can answer those four questions and you are drawn through evidence proving those four questions, that really it's going to establish a pretty unshakable foundation of faith. That sounds very helpful, especially if you're a parent or pastor and you're concerned about the condition of your child's faith, what they believe, what the voices of culture are telling them. If that's you and you're interested, go to iShineLive.com and check out in our web store the Shock and Awe Study Guide. It has a digital cloud video base, so it's four studies in a small paperback volume for $9, and it has four videos that go with four studies. It can be done in a weekend, it can be done over a month, or it can be done bi-monthly, however you need it. It is a fantastic resource that I have used as a pastor in my own home church, and I have been impressed. So, check it out. Check it out.